Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Customer engagement used to be all nice restaurants and tea times. But with ZoomInfo, you can engage with the right customers across all channels from one platform. Engage customers at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm Damon Martin. He is Matt Brown, and we are back after another exciting weekend of UFC action. The pay-per-views are back. UFC 283 went down this past weekend in Brazil. But uh, first things first, Matt Brown, how are you? I'm very good, man. Down here in Nashville, hanging out, training, and really getting it in, man. Got some uh, stem cells the other day, get a little stronger, feeling good, man. Like So uh, ready to start getting back into camp and been in talks with the UFC lately, so got some surprises coming up pretty soon for everyone. You better break everything on this podcast if you don't. Like, what's the point? Come on now, Matt Brown. Of course, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what uh, do you? What do you? I, I don't want to break at... anything until it's official, right? Yeah. What are you looking? Any idea, like timeline, when you want to fight? I'm hoping like March and April, March or April. Oh, really? That April, quickly? April. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm ready, man. I've been talking to him a little bit, and uh, I'm fucking ready to fire it off, man. I'm ready to fight again. So let me ask you. Let, you let, say let, that let, quickly, but I haven't fought since, what, last, last May? Last, last March? March. It was last March so, in yeah. Columbus, yeah. Not really that. Yeah. So let me ask. Yeah. So let me ask. Let me ask this question. This is a good, good segue with your fight. You're coming back, and, and obviously we saw over the weekend a couple of legends of the sport retire. Glover Teixeira called it a career Mauricio Shogun, yep. who called it a career. Um, you, you like you, because I remember, you know, obviously you talk, you talked about it very openly a few years ago, like you declared you were going to retire after the Diego Sanchez fight. And of course you decided to come back and continue fighting after that. Um, what, like, I know this sounds like a very broad question, very philosophical question, but what are your reasons for fighting now? Like, what are, what are the reasons for Matt Brown? Cause you don't necessarily need to, like, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, you don't need to fight. Like you're not in a position where you're like, man, I need this. Like I need this paycheck or I need this or that. Like you're in a kind of like in that Glover Shogun range where I'm getting at is like, you've established yourself and you built a resume. You know what I mean? Like everyone knows Matt Brown. When you see Matt Brown, like, Oh yeah, dude, that guy's like, you know, he's a legend. Like we don't have to, you, you, you've, you've established yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, what's the reasons for fighting at this stage? Well, th- there's certainly a financial, uh, aspect to it. Um, you know, I'm fine on money. I'm not broke or anything like that, but at the same time, there's nothing that I can put two months of work into and get the same ROI on. Right. So that, you know, there is that sort of aspect to it. Um, but even more so than that, like even I would rather um, be broke 
uh, I, like I, I wouldn't want to fight just for money ever. Like, uh, if I wasn't enjoying it still, and I fucking love it, man. The, like there's, uh, there's, there's nothing that I love more than getting in that cage and fighting against another man. And, uh, the, <coughs> excuse me, the, the whole process leading up to a fight, uh, uh, the journey, the, you know, the weight cut, like everything, man, the suffering, <laughs> like, I just love it, man. And, uh, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of fighters would probably relate to me on this when I, I get, I dip my toes in a lot of different things, but there's nothing that excites me like fighting. There's nothing that really gets my heart rate up and makes me want out of get, want to get out of bed in the morning. Um, there's nothing that, that just gets me a boner more than fighting, man. <laughs> even, even sex. <laughs> <laughs> see you're you're saying this and you're probably thinking in the back of your head like dude you know why this you know why why are you asking this freaking question i do know that matt but i'm just like i want to hear you say it because there's gonna be any like any time that you're when any time that you're in a level where people have you know where you say like you've established yourself and what you've done and i agree like i think that more fighters need to pick the right time to walk away. Cause we've talked about on this show years ago, we talked about it, where guys just don't know when to walk away. And it, it's sad, right? Like it's sad when you see, I'll bring up a great Chuck Liddell. Like who is, who wants to remember Chuck Liddell's last fight is that last one, Tito Ortiz. No one, there's not a peer person on earth that wants to remember. Now, granted Chuck had had some other knockouts before that, but at least that was still when he was still in the UFC, still fighting best guys in the world. No shame in getting knocked out by Rashad Evans. No shame in getting knocked out by Rich Franklin, things like that. But you know, 51 year old Chuck getting laid out by Tito Ward. No one wants that. You know what I mean? You don't want that. No. So like you and I've had that conversation. You're just in a different place. And I, I wanted you to say that publicly because I know it. We've had this conversation off air before. I know what kind of savage you are and I know what, how much you love fighting. Like, this is, has nothing to do with, you know, I just can't walk away or, you know, I don't want to let you love this yes. shit. Like you love fighting. So like, that, I, I, I know it sounds funny, but that's why I wanted you to say it. Because for anyone's like, well, why, why, why does he need to do this? You don't need to do this. You want to do this. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, I also think that I can still perform at a higher level than uh, most guys my age. Um, you know, we take like a Chuck, for example. I think he probably knew walking into that last fight at 51 uh, where he was at, right? He he knew he wasn't performing at his highest uh, at a high level. At least he knew what he was getting into. He knew what was going on. Uh, I'm self-aware too. And I know that, uh, I mean, if you watch my last fight, like I think I performed very well um, against a guy who's had some really good wins. And, um, I, you know, I thought I won the fight. Most people thought that I won the fight. So, you know, knowing that I can still do that, it, it you know, doesn't shy me away from continuing um, whereas, you know, I think I will know, right. When that, when that day comes and, you know, I, I think I have people around me that are honest with me too. And they're like, bro, you are not doing what you could or should be doing. Right. And I still have the desire for, it. I'm, I'm around positive people and, um, you know, yeah, I just love it, man. And I think it's, a, you know, a lot of people, a lot of these fighters, again, they know it and then they still go in there and, and don't perform and they know that they're not, but still keep doing it. I think, uh, we may have seen one of them this weekend, like that uh, Shogun, right? Like yeah. the, the Shogun that we seen last weekend was not the Shogun. Like he did not perform to the level of a Shogun 
that we all know and love. And uh, it's disappointing to see, and you have to wonder what his uh, motivations were for that. You know, maybe he just wanted a retirement fight. Maybe he was doing it for money. You know, whatever reason it was, you know, more power to him. We all love Shogun, but uh, from that's different than me, though. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, like, I feel like I know you well enough and and have been around you well enough to where I can. I we've had honest conversations like off the air, and I have no problem having an honest conversation with somebody I consider a friend, and 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 you know, it has nothing to do with being on the air with a podcast. Um, if I felt that way, I'd tell you, Matt. I think you know me well enough to know I'd be honest with you. Like I'd tell you that I don't feel that way. And you bring up Shogun's a great point. That was. Watching Shogun, and this is nothing against Ehor Pateria. I'm not trying to take a shot at him. So it's going to sound like I am, but I swear I'm not. Watching Shogun get knocked out by a guy named Ehor Pateria, who I'd, I'd heard of only one. He fought in the UFC one time. And the main reason I remembered him is because when he fought, he was from Ukraine. And when that whole conflict started with Ukraine and Russia, I remembered him and Marina Rose and a couple of the Ukrainian fighters. So it kind of stuck in my head. Um, watching Shogun get knocked out by that dude was sad. It was sad. Like we don't want to see show. Like we don't want to see Shogun go out in general. But you really don't want to see him go out against some kind of unknown, no name guy on a random prelim. Of we want to see Shogun and Machida. We want to see Shogun and yeah. Nogueira. You know, we don't we like that. And and listen, does the UFC take some fault in that, like a little bit, and not giving him like maybe that kind of like legendary matchup to go out on? You know what I mean? Like maybe give him because Machida volunteered. Machida's like, bring me back. Let's have one more fight. I was like, ooh, that's a fun idea. Of course, the UFC didn't do it, but like Ehor Patira, like really, that's like it's just it was sad and and like. It, it just reminds me like how rarely I said it in the recap I wrote for the story. I said MMA very rarely offers a fairy tale ending. You know what I mean? Like Khabib yeah. and GSP are like the two guys who got on top. You know what I mean? And, like, but like there's a million examples of guys who just like, I understand the love and the desire and the passion, but at some point you have to walk away. And at some point it's just not there anymore. You're in a different case. I've seen you train. I know what kind of, I know what kind of savage you are. I know what you're doing in the gym. I know the guys you're training with. And I was at your fight with Brian Barberina. Absolutely nothing against Brian Barberina. He's an incredible dude. Actually really nice guy on top of that. I thought you won the fight. And we saw what Brian went out and did with Robbie Lawler. Like he's an incredibly good fighter. Um, you won that fight or at worst, you know, came out on the wrong end of a bad decision. Um, you're not in a Shogun position and I'm not trying to turn this back on you, but I'm saying like talking about Shogun, like I, I just, I didn't want to see him fight that night and I didn't want to see him fight Ehor Potaira, and I don't want my last image of Shogun Hua to be him getting knocked out by, by Ehor Potaira, like just like the Chuck Liddell thing. Like I don't want that to be my lasting image. And again, five years from now, we'll probably forget about it. We'll try to remember the good times, him soccer kicking rampage and, you know, beating Forrest Griffin to yeah. become champ, all those things. But right now in the moment, what's my lasting image of Shogun? It's him getting knocked out by some dude that I couldn't, I, you could put me in a, you could put a gun to my head and put a lineup and I couldn't pick him out of the lineup. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the the sad thing part about the whole thing is like, you know, was it, you know, what? Why did Shogun go out there? That that's again the, the kind of what I go back to is, you know, what was Shogun's ultimate goal with this fight? You know, was he out there like? Did he put everything he had into this training camp to win, or did he go out because he needed a paycheck? And the, they seem more like the latter, right? 
And when you're going up against a young up and coming lion, that's going to be hungry like that. Um, you're going to have to put everything you have into it, you know, and, and whatever happens happens. Right. Uh, but if he's not putting everything he has into it, then it's probably best that he walked away. And, um, you know, look, he had a, a, you know, he got knocked out, but, um, you know, my question is, did he put everything into it? Um, yeah. For, you know, to relate on my own, own side, it's like, I know that I can and will put everything into it. And if I don't, then that's when I will personally know um, when it's time. Right. And I wonder if other guys look at it that way. I'm not sure. I haven't really talked to the fighters about this ever before, but um, it it's just a matter of like, are you fully committing still to the process? Are you putting in a hundred percent every day? Do you have that uh, discipline or motivation, which is two different things, right? So you're going to have to have one or the other. Um, and a lot of these guys, you know, they don't look like they're putting everything into it. And, you know, whether I win, lose, get knocked out or whatever, um, just knowing that you put everything into it and then you can look at it as in, okay, knocked out. Um, for instance, like I got TK by Miguel Beza, right? You know, young up and comer, explosive, strong guy, tough. Um, and I knew that I didn't put everything into it. And that is a, a bad feeling. And that's when you start thinking, okay, should I retire? And I took that on a little bit of a short notice and everything. So that's a little bit different, but um, if I have a full camp and everything, and and then you're not putting everything into it. That's when I think you have to question whether you should keep doing this. Whereas if you're fully committed and then you go out and maybe you lose after a full commitment and a full training camp, then you can look at yourself objectively and say, okay, maybe my body can't hold up anymore, which is a little different than, you know, whether you're actually able to put everything you have into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because there's two different like there's a there's a, a world where you can lose a fight and retire and you still kind of go out on top. And I think a great example of that was on Saturday night with Glover Teixeira. He lost, yeah, pretty pretty lopsided fashion. Jamal Hill looked incredible, put a beating on him really bad. And there were a couple moments where I'm like, you could probably stop this, and I'd be okay with it. Uh, and Glover just you know tough bastard man, he would just would not go down. But it, afterwards, he's like, that's it. You know, I can't, I, I'm not doing it anymore. I can't really hang with these guys. I'm going to put all my focus on Alex Pereira and, and, and focus on him and kind of move on to the next phase of my career. And he lost. But he was fighting in a title fight of a division he was the champion of less than a year ago. You know what I mean? Like, that to me was okay. Like, I, I'm not going to – what am I going to remember about Glover to share? I remember this guy was a freaking legend who fought everybody, beat most of them, Tough, one of the toughest dudes in the history of the sport. And even in the fifth round, when I fully – I was fully of the of the mindset that, you know what, you could probably stop this right now. Like, I don't really need to see yeah. him come out for five more minutes. Uh, he still got a takedown, got on top. I tweeted, I was like, if Glover pulls this off, I was like, holy crap, if he pulls this off – he didn't, of course, he lost the fight. But again, that's the way you could lose and go out on top, right? Like he didn't he didn't go out as champion. He didn't come off a win. But who lost who lost any I, I didn't lose respect for Shogun. Let me be clear about that. But like who 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 who's gonna leave with a bad image of Glover to share after him going out like that? Like, yeah, he lost, but man, that dude's a legend. Look at the way he went out. He went out on top against one of the best guys in the world, gave everything, had his moments, you know. Yeah, he lost, but he had a couple good moments in there. Had, you know, he kept swinging for the fences. I didn't get that with Shogun. When Shogun's fight was over, I was like sad. I was like, oh, this is just depressing. Yeah. Like, I just, that's the difference. Glover lost, 
But I was like, dude, what a freaking way to go out. Like, what an amazing performance to go out on. Shogun was like the exact opposite. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit of the difference between being forced out and deciding to walk out, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that's... Like, the- Shogun, like we, could, we could watch Shogun's fight and say, look, he needs to get out. He knew it. You know, he, we're not being overly critical or anything by saying that. I think he he knows that he can look at himself and and say that very clearly. And but whereas Glover was kind of like, look, I'm I'm done. I'm out of here. This is it for me. But if he really wanted to keep fighting, he could. Right. Like if he really yeah. he, there's a lot of guys he's still beating in the division. Oh, there's a long list of guys in the top ten in that light heavyweight division he beats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Without exactly. a doubt. Like without a doubt in my mind. Exactly. So that's exactly my point, right? And um so we all want to go out like Glover, you know, <laughs> whether, you know, he went until the wheels fell off till he couldn't compete as a champion anymore. He could obviously still compete as a great fighter. He can't compete as a champion anymore. He gave it everything he had. His championship wheels have fell off. His real, you know, wheels to fight haven't fallen off. And he's choosing his time. Um, and that's the way we want to go out. Let me ask this, Matt, because one of the other big subjects I mentioned, of course, a minute ago about Glover with the fight, like I, the fourth round ended, I was like, you know what? I'd be okay. If they just stopped this, like he was taking a lot of shots, a lot of damage again, super tough guy. Wouldn't go down, but man, I was just like, this is getting a little uncomfortable. Cause he was getting beat up pretty bad cuts all over the place. Just yeah. really bad. And then you look at the situation with, uh, with Lauren Hill or Lauren, Lauren Hill, Lauren Murphy earlier in the night against Jessica Andras. And she just, I mean, she absorbed more significant strikes over three rounds, the second most in history behind Nate Diaz and, and Donald Cerrone. Uh, and and Lauren's mm. been on Twitter being very vocal, um, you know, saying that, you know, she doesn't think her corner should take any kind of, you know, she wanted to continue. She doesn't blame her corner for not stopping the fight and all these kind of things. And this is not, I don't want to turn this into like, a, let's, let's jump on Lauren Murphy. I really want to ask you, Matt, because we've had, I've had this conversation with Anthony Smith after his fight with Glover to share funny enough where he, you know, he didn't want his corner to stop the fight. He's like, I don't want, you know, my corner knows, but I've also had a, a long conversation with other fighters where other people have said like, you know, um, you know, the, the we fighters have to be protected from themselves. Sometimes like you are the toughest people in the world. You will walk through broken glass and fire. If that's what it takes to get to a fight, you're built differently than me, Matt. I understand that. And I fully, I fully, I fully admit to that. I am not trying to compare myself to a fighter. Trust me. But there are moments where I'm like, live to fight another day. And with Laura Murphy, that was a perfect example of that, where I was just like, you know what? This fight's only going one way. It's only getting worse. And to me, the long-term damage that she could potentially suffer from is not worth an extra two minutes in the fight or three minutes of a fight that she was clearly not going to win. Uh, I don't know. I want to get your opinion on this because I think that's a it's a bit of a double-edged sword because I think that I understand where fighters come from, where Lauren Murphy says, I didn't want the fight to be stopped. I understand where Anthony Smith comes from saying, I tell my coaches, do not stop. The- I get it. But then I also see the optics of it and the long-term damage of it. And I'm just like, man, I just, I don't, I, I want to get your opinion on this because you are one of those savages, Matt. You are the guy who doesn't want to stop until you are stopped. The Baeza fight's a great example of that where, you know, did he stop it early? Probably a little early. You know what I mean? Like you would have liked to go out on your shield. 
that's different. But you, you, I always bring up to Pete Cell fight. You know, your Pete Cell, you were beating the. I mean, you like I, I said, dude, he must have owed Eve Levine money that night or something because he just kept letting that guy just get punched and beat on until you're basically like, will you please stop this fight? Uh, I don't know. You tell me because it's yeah. an ugly situation. Like I feel like you know, there's got to be times where corners have to step up and save a fighter from themselves. No, I totally agree. And I don't think it's a double-edged sword. I think it's a single-edged sword, and that's a corner's job. And you know what? If a, my corner ever stops the fight, I'm going to get pissed at him. And, but guess what? I'm also going to thank them later, right, assuming they made a good, educated decision. And, and that's a corner's – that's one of their primary jobs as a corner is to see the fight objectively – knowing your athlete, knowing if there's a true path to victory for their athlete. And I don't think that it is as common as a, like we're, we're always, you know, MMA is crazy, right? So we're always like, dude, there, there's, there's still that chance, man. You know, like, you know, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen, there's that chance, right? Um, that's rare though. And, um, you know, these guys, you know, work with their corners and they know their athletes so well and they know they've seen them in training get through these hard practices and, and come back from injuries and deal with things that is unrealistic for normal people to deal with. And and the, the, in that third, fourth or fifth round, the whole time the corners thinking, man, you know, they still got a chance. Like, this is my guy, you know, they got a chance. I think that's an egotistical way to look at it. Like you have to look at it objectively in your job as a corner, not your primary job, but one of your main jobs is to protect your fighter. And you see it in boxing when they, when they lose, when, when they, when there's no longer a clear path to victory for the fighter, they stop it. Um, and it's one thing when there's not a clear path to victory, but now there's not a clear path to victory and you're taking shots. You have to jump in and stop the fight. You know, I'm a savage motherfucker. I want to see um, headbutts brought back. I <laughs> want to see bare knuckles. I want to see kicks to the down opponents. Um, you know, I want all this stuff. But I also would like to see corners be real coaches and be real corners and step up and, and stop it for their men. Um, I would never tell my corner, um, you know, don't stop the fight. <laughs> no matter what, or like, I'm going to fire you if you stop it or something like that. Um, again, I would be totally angry. I would be frustrated and hateful at my corner for doing that in the moment. But 20 years from now, I'm going to look back and say, Hey man, you know, thank you for doing that, buddy. Yeah. You, you are a corner, obviously you've corner fighters in the UFC before you've been there. Um, and this is not, this is I don't want to turn this into like let's knock on Lauren Murphy because I've had Lauren Murphy as a coast on this show. I like Lauren very much and I respect the hell out of her and respect her coaches, all that. If you were in her corner that night, would you have stopped it? Would you have said, you know, enough's enough. I think this is going the wrong way. Because that's because again, my opinion is one thing, and I do have an opinion about this. But Matt, you're a fighter and a coach. Like you've been there. You you know what it's like to be in a corner, and I'm sure. You know, every situation is different. You're going to know your fighter better than I know them. So if you see something in their eyes and they're still going and maybe it looks yep. to the outside world like we should probably stop this. So I, I am asking you an outsider's perspective because you don't know Lauren the way her coaches know her. But in that situation, would you have felt comfortable stopping the fight? First, knowing the fighter doesn't mean anything because other than 
do you see a clear path to victory for them? Right. And it was clear. She had no path to victory and she was taking shots um, that she wasn't going to stop taking shots and she, and there was no clear path to victory. So with that said, yes, I would have stopped it from watching it on TV. There's things that you see live, you know, when you're two feet or five feet away from your, uh, uh, the action that maybe they see that you don't see on TV, um, which is, I think, pretty rare and probably not the case. But um, in, if I was in her corner, I would have stopped that fight, yes. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things where we have, I think we have a weird, we do, I mean, we do. I'm just not, it's not, I think, I know we have a weird stigma in this sport where, you know, we ignore the, the fact that fighters are the toughest people on earth. And because of that, you can't ever, because of that, somehow throwing in a towel or even tapping out is seen as vulnerability. It's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit because like, I remember when I trained jujitsu, when I did, again, let me be clear. I was very, very low level, but when I trained, I remember one time I got caught in an arm bar and I was so convinced against, against a smaller guy. I was so convinced I could basically power it, but I could not take He had me in a technique I could not escape from. But I was convinced I could power out of it because I was so much bigger and stronger than this guy. And I tried to power out of it. And guess what happened? He hyperextended my elbow. I had ner- I had a pinched nerve and I couldn't I couldn't do anything for like a month after that. It sucked real, real bad. And that was all ego. All ego. Oh. I was done. I was caught. He caught me. He wasn't trying to hurt me. He was not trying. This was 100% on me. This wasn't a bad training partner who just decided to you know hurt my arm. This was me just ripping at my own arm, trying to prove that I could break free of the hold. And I didn't. And I hurt myself for it. That was my own ego telling me that I just shouldn't give up. This idea that you can't tap or that you shouldn't throw in the towel that somehow makes you look weaker is such shit. It, and I'm not saying that is the case with Lauren or Glover to share either, by the way. I'm not saying they're they're thinking that. I'm just saying like there is this stigma in the sport that exists that when you do those kind of things, like suddenly they think like it's like, like the, for people, you know, Matt, you've heard this for years. People gave George St. Pierre shit for tapping out to Matt Sarah for strikes when he was just getting the absolute brakes beaten off him. And they said, oh, he tapped out the strikes. That's weak. How is that weak? He knew he wasn't going to win. He knew the fight was over. Is he supposed to lose a few extra brain cells to appease you because you think he's not tough enough? Right. And, and there's a, it's a fighter's job. Like it's completely different. Like, I don't would never expect a fighter to quit or, or throw in their own towel or whatever. That's the corner's job. Their job is to fight through the fire. If they tap out from strikes like GSP or something, uh, you know, I don't have any, uh, I don't think any less of them by any means. But um, if they also, if they don't tap out, they don't throw the talent. That's that's not their job. Their job is to walk through the fire, walk over the broken glass and walk through anything and keep coming forward and keep fighting. That's why we're called fighters. That's the the literal definition of fighters, right? So, uh, you know, it's getting, it comes down to the corner. That's their job. That's, um, that's their prerogative. It has nothing to do with us. So, uh, there's complete, two completely different subjects in my opinion. Yeah. I just think it's so, I just think it's so weird to like, you know, it's just, I don't know. Like I get it. And again, you, like you said, in the moment you'd be pissed off, right? Like you'd be upset, 
But there's going to be a time where you're probably sitting with your kids like a year from now, two years from now afterwards, you're like, you know what? <laughs> like probably was good that I didn't take an extra 15 headshots in that third round when I wasn't yeah. winning or what, you know what I mean? Like hindsight is everything. And I get it. Like I get it again. No one's questioning your toughness. No one's questioning Lauren Murphy's toughness. And I, and I'd say the same thing to Glover, like Glover going in now, did Grant, did Glover get a takedown in that fifth round? And maybe for a brief shining moment, look like maybe he was going to pull off a comeback. Yeah. But would I have had any problem if his corner after the fourth round said, you know what, it's done. I would have been completely okay if Glover Teixeira's corner said, no Moss. You know, like it's just he's taken yeah. so much punishment. And because this guy is so durable and has such an incredible chin, he just won't go down. I've said it a million times on this show and other podcasts, Matt, and I think we've had this conversation before, like having a great chin is is a, is a, is a double-edged – that's a double-edged sword because you can take the punishment – but when you have a great chin, that's also meaning you're taking punishment, right? Like when you're Roy Nelson or you're Mark Hunt and you're just getting blasted on for five rounds or three rounds or whatever, and you stand up to it, we're like, man, that's amazing. What an incredible chin. But at some point, it all catches up to you. <laughs> at some point, it all like eventually Roy Nelson's the sand in the hourglass ran out. He started getting hit and he started going down because you can't take 400 shots forever and not think that it's going to hurt you. You know what I mean? Like defense is real. You know, like you have to have defense and that, that whole, you know, you're dirt. That is a, that it can be a detriment to you too. Glover to share is one of the toughest people I've ever seen in that cage, but maybe taking 300 headshots in a, in a four or five round fights, probably not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of it comes down to knowing your fighter well enough to see if there's a clear path to victory um, with Glover at least I could say, look, he did still have a path to victory. I felt like, you know, and he proved it by getting that takedown in the fifth round. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that can go, Glover gets that takedown are not going to be able to survive it. And can we talk about Jamal Hill's impressive ground game in that fight? I mean, this oh guy, my God. I don't, I think this was the whole reason. I think we both picked against him and that was the reason, right? Nobody expected him to hang with Glover on the ground and he fucking did, man. So, you know, you got to, you know, more, more power to him props to him and he got it done. Um, he looked uh, tremendous. I mean, what an athlete, you know, so, uh, but there was, you know, on the, on the subject, there was still a path to victory for Glover. I felt like. Yeah. More so than the Lauren Murphy thing. But again, if they stopped it after round four, I would have been okay with that is what I'm getting at. Like I would have been yeah, okay with that. Like good. I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I like fifth round, he came out, surprised me, got the takedown, as you said, path to victory. But I would have been completely okay if his, if his corner was like, you know what? We're good. You know, like, it's okay. Like, there's no shame in this. Um, and again, like I said, every, every, every case is different. There are times when people are calling to stop the fight and throw in the towel. And I'm like, slow down. Like, you know, like, listen, I understand we all, we all have the safety of the fighters in our, in our best hearts and concerns. We get all that. But, there are times even when on Twitter and I see people like go throw in the towel and like, slow, slow down, slow down a little bit. But in both of those cases, like the, the fights were not doing when you have multiple 10, eight rounds against you for strikes, not like nearly caught in submissions or whatever. There's like I said, you're, you're, you're fighting for diminishing returns at that point, you know? And, um, I just, it's weird to me that like, we still have, and I get it. Like fighters are built different. You're again, I keep saying it, Matt, you're built different than me. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. You will, you will I, do I things I will that, not do. I would also add that in a championship fight, I would definitely be less likely to throw in the towel too. 
you know, like again, Lauren Murphy was fighting for, you know, top 10 spot, but, um, you know, it wasn't a championship title fight um, for Glover, Glover specifically. And so I probably wouldn't have stopped Glover's fight uh, specifically if I was in his corner. And and the reason, you know, is two, for one, again, it's a championship fight, which is a little bit different. And for two, like they knew it was Glover's last fight. Right? It's like, let him go for it, you know? And and again, there and and for three, there was still a clear path to victory. And when you put all those things together, like I could see where his question. If they did throw in the towel, I wouldn't have been mad at all. I wouldn't have thought they were uh, mishandling the situation by any means. But um, I understood that one. The Lauren Murphy one, I think they should have thrown in the towel. I would have thrown in the towel. And uh, there, there just wasn't a path to victory. She was the lesser fighter getting beat up by the better fighter. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Uh, as you mentioned, Jamal Hill did have an incredible performance. Of course, Brandon Moreno went out there and 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 finally finished his rivalry with Devis and Figueredo. That was an incredible fight. Gilbert Burns, how good did Gilbert Burns look, man? Neil Magny, super tough. You train with Neil Magny, you know Neil very well. Gilbert Burns looked incredible, man. He went out there and dominated, got that first round finish. He had a statement to make, and boy, did he make it. That was an incredible performance from Gilbert Burns. Yeah, it sucks for Neil, man. I'm always cheering for him. Love that guy. Probably the nicest guy in the sport. Like we talk about the nice guys in the sport, there's lots of them. Neil, I don't know if there's a nicer human being on the planet, as a matter of fact. He's just one of the best guys. Uh, love the guy. Um, of course, Gilbert, he's an awesome guy, too. But uh, he had a perfect game plan and just executed it to a T. You, you just, man, you, I mean, what's next for him? Either Bilal or, or Colby, right? I mean, I think it's going to end up being Bilal because Colby, like, it's weird. Like, Colby's just disappeared. Like, and I get it. He's got this whole legal situation hanging over his head with, with Masvidal. Maybe it's a legal thing where because he's involved in this situation, he can't, like, fight right now because I know he claimed – like brain damage or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not mocking him. Let me be clear. I'm not mocking him. I'm trying to make fun of him for this. Like he's involved in a real legal situation. And trust me, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't justify Masvidal running up and punching somebody. You know, you had five, you had three, you had five rounds to do it in a fight. You couldn't do it. Uh, you don't get a do over just because you're pissed that you lost and you run up and punch the dude. Um, do I think words have consequences? Yes. But again, you had five rounds to do that. You didn't do it. Um, so I'm not I'm not like defending Colby Covington, but he does seem to have some legal situations that need to be cleared up. It's been almost a year since he's fought. Um, at some point, we have to move on, though. Like I'm not knocking the guy, but if he's not going to fight and he's not yeah. going to you know do something, then we got to move on. You know, I don't know what Hamzat's doing. I still think Hamzat would be better served at middleweight. I think there's a clear path for him to the title at middleweight. If I'm being honest. Um, do Bilal and Gilbert. That's a good fight. They're both coming off wins. Bilal's looked incredible. Um, we know Leon's fighting Usman in March, so they're not going to fight either one of them anytime soon. Gilbert and Bilal's a fun fight. Just book it. Yeah, I think I'm right there. I think, uh, that's a really, really good fight. And I don't have a, uh, I don't have a pick. I'm 50, 50 on that one. You know, that's a great fight, man. Uh, I probably lean towards Bilal a little bit myself, just because I'm big on Bilal. I think he's a he puts on such a great pace and uh, and has so much skill. Under very underrated, um, but man, that'd be a, that'd be a very very exciting fight. I want to see that. Yeah, I'm with you I'm on with Hamza too. He needs to go up to 185. 
Yeah, and I, I just think like this, we have this obsession with booking certain fights, and I know the UFC's kind of been stuck on booking Hamza and Colby, but I mean, at this point, when do we move on? Like, when do we, you know what I mean? Like, when do we, because how is it that Leon and Usman are going to fight twice in less time than it's going to take for a number one contender to be determined? You know what I mean? Like, they're going to fight twice, and we still have, we still have no clarity. Like, Colby hasn't fought since last March. Hamza hasn't fought at 170 since last April when he fought Gilbert. Um... You know, Bilal's been on a streak. Like, Bilal's the one who's got probably the best argument to say, hey, I've been putting on, like, this huge win streak. Like, can we get this moving so I can get a title shot? Um, you know, or or do Hamza or do Hamza and Bilal. If you're gonna if you're gonna insist on Hamza being a one seventy, yeah. let him fight Bilal and de- and determine the number one. Do something like I just this whole sitting around and waiting thing. And, and the one guy who's not been doing it has been Bilal Muhammad. And I'm not, by the way, not saying Gilbert's been sitting and waiting because Gilbert was calling for a fight. He was like, after the, I talked to him right after the Hamza fight, he's like, I want to fight this summer. I want to fight like September. They couldn't find him a fight. He was going to fight Masvidal, couldn't come together. Then it got close enough to the Brazil event where he's like, well, let me fight at home. I understood that. He just fought. Either give him a fight, let Bilal fight Hamza, or do something so that way when Usman and Edwards are done, we can actually have a number one contender because we don't right now. We have no idea who's the number one contender in that division. Yep. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I want to see it, man. They need to sort it out. Yeah, and it needs to be done sooner rather than later. Like we're just sitting around and wait. And I again, I get it. You're you're you get kind of fixated on a fight. You know, oh, I want to see Hamza and Colby. I get it, but Colby's not fighting and hasn't fought in almost a year. Move on. You know, Hamza hasn't made 170 yeah. in almost a year. Move on. Do Bilal and Gilbert do do Bilal and, and Gilbert Burns and the winner gets a title shot. Or do Bilal and Hamza. If you think Hamza's the guy, give him Bilal. Can he hang with Bilal Muhammad for five rounds? I got questions about that, Matt. I don't know that Hamza can hang with Bilal for five rounds. Can he beat him in the first round if he catches him, puts him down? Sure. Can he do it for five rounds? I don't know about that. Yep, that's what we were talking about just a couple weeks ago, right? And, boy, I got a lot of hate on Twitter for it, man. <laughs> like, But, look, the fact is the, the – uh, uh, matchup wise, skill versus skill, style ver- or style versus style. I mean, um, Bilal creates a lot of problems for Hamza, and that's a fact. Skill versus skill, Hamza creates a lot of problems for Bilal, and th- that's what we that's the, the best type of fight, right? Like, we don't know what's going to happen one way or another. It's the best yeah. type of fight to watch. Here's the thing. We put out the the you talked about Bilal on the on the podcast and and you kind of picked him as your guy going into 2023 and you got a lot of hate on that. Here's the reality, Matt, and I'm just going to put it out there cuz I've had Bilal on this show and I've had him co-host this show before. Bilal might be like the most hated guy, like unfairly hated guy, you know, on Twitter and stuff because he's not afraid to call for what he wants. He's very vocal about that and People pick their favorites, you know what I mean? Like, people pick their favorites, and it is what it is, and it's not anyone's fault necessarily, but uh, I just don't understand how you can deny Bilal. Like, every time they, every time you question the guy, he proves people wrong. Like, when he fought Vicente Luque, that was a fight he was set up to lose. Vicente knocked him out in, like, three minutes when they fought a few years ago. He went out there and handled Vicente Luque. They set him up against Sean Brady. Everyone said Sean Brady's the next guy. He's the next big thing. Bilal didn't have much to gain in that fight because Sean was ranked below him, didn't have the resume, all those kind of things. Bilal knocked him out in the second round. What else can this guy do to earn some damn respect? I'm right there with you, you know, and 
you know, Bilal doesn't get the marketing, I, I feel like, like a Hamza, right? So that's why the people don't necessarily buy into it as much and they hate on him. They don't think he's got all this and that. I'm I'm a professional fighter. I've watched guys for many years and I've studied this sport for a very long time. I can tell you Bilal has problems for everyone. He can skill for skill, he can lose to a lot of like Leon picked him apart. Leon was on his way to win that fight. Like they're hard to believe Bilal was going to win that fight. Skill for skill, he's a beatable guy. Style for style, he creates a lot of bad matchups for a lot of these guys in the division. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. I've said this for years. Welterweight's a snake pit. It's as good as any division in the sport. You know, you got guys like Shavkat Rachmanov, who's not even ranked in the top five yet. That guy's a monster. You know, he's fighting Jeff Neal. That's an incredible fight. You look at a guy like Wonderboy. Everyone wrote Wonderboy off because he lost to uh, he lost to Gilbert and he lost uh, he lost to Bilal. And it was like, oh, Wonderboy's washed. And he goes out there and puts on a master class against Kevin Holland. And Kevin Holland's a really good fighter. It, it, this division is just so good. You know what I mean? And for a guy like Bilal to be on whatever it is, like a nine-fight unbeaten streak or a ten-fight unbeaten streak, like, do you realize how hard that is in this division? Like, it's not easy to put that kind of resume together. Uh, you know, put some respect on this man's name uh, because he's he, he's done nothing but earn it over and over and over again. And and listen, I get Gilbert. You know, Gilbert was kind of upset that Bilal took his ranking without them fighting, and he kind of got a little upset. Apparently, Bilal was offered the fight in January, and he turned it down or said he didn't want to go to Brazil or he had stuff going on. I don't know the whole story. Um, I get it, but okay, then book Gilbert and Bilal. Let's fight them and see who wins, and then you know we'll move on. But this yeah. whole waiting for fights to be made is getting annoying because, like, I get it. Hamza and Colby would be a big fight. It'd be a great fight. I think Colby, for all the weird, stupid things that, that guy says, he's an incredible fighter, and I think that'd be a really interesting test because same way the Bilal pushes the pace for five rounds, so does Colby Covington, and Colby's a pretty damn good wrestler. Could Colby yeah. outwork Hamza? Maybe yeah, that's an amazing. Yeah, that, that's an amazing fire right there. I would love to see him. So many good matchups, and they, I told, I wish they would bring back tournaments sometimes. You know, and just bracket it up and who you fight to, you got to fight. And let's go. Let's see who's the best. Businesses have always needed customers, so customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes—not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to Zoom Info, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick before I get out of here, we talked earlier about uh, taking a little bit undue damage, undue uh, undue punishment in a fight. I got to ask, Matt, I got to bring this up because we saw it last week. The debut of Power Slap made its debut. Uh, let me say this real quick. Let me say this real quick. I don't have any interest in this. I'm not going to cover it. I am not going to pretend that it's real, that it's a real sport. It's not. 
The only reason I'm bringing it up is because as much as this has gotten a promotion from the UFC and from Dana White and whatever, it's a business move. I would wager to say like 95% of fighters have been like, this is stupid. Like, this is not good to just get there and let yourself get blasted in the head multiple times for it's like it's like brain damage. It's like brain damage television is all it is. I'm curious, Matt, as one of the <laughs> toughest people in the world and one of the toughest people I personally know, would you sign up for slap fight? Because I that would be that would be the time when we'd have a conversation. I'd be like, Matt, Matt, it's not worth it, buddy. Oh, man. No, I ain't signing up for no slap league, man. But I'll tell you what, it's fucking stupid. It's <laughs> concussion central. It's the worst sport it's not a sport it's the worst thing i've ever seen and i fucking love it i'll fucking watch it I, I hate even supporting it but it's fucking fun to watch man it is hilarious and it's just it's i don't know it's like watching a fucking like family guy episode i'm just so stupid it's funny man and you just i just want to see it i don't know See, now, I like Family Guy. Family Guy cracks me up. You know the difference, Matt? Family Guy's a cartoon, and they're not actually taking brain damage. Yes. Uh, that's where I run into – that's, like, again, I, I, like, I run into – that's where I run headfirst into this whole, like, power slap thing because it's just, like, you're just – it's, like, at least in MMA, you can say, like, okay, Lauren Murphy took undue damage. But guess what? Lauren Murphy was still defending herself. She was still standing. She could try to block punches. She could try to sleep. There's no blocking punches. There's no slipping yeah. punches. You're just letting some other dude or uh, some other woman just blast you in the head with a shot. And that just seems like the dumbest. That just seems like the dumbest idea ever. It is. And I, I agree with you. It's dumb and it's cringe and it's just horrible. And it's just the worst thing ever. And I love it still. I don't know. I like, you know, Dana, whatever promotion he put out there, like it sucked me in. I kind of like it, but I, I hope it doesn't stick around. Like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it for a long time or anything, but dude, I don't know. I watched it a little bit and I was like, this is kind of fun to watch, man. I don't know why. Is it hate all hate me? Everybody can hate me all they want. Is it is it kind of like is it kind like I know we all have this like car car crash mentality like you know when you drive by a car crash everyone slows down yeah. to look and see and you know you're not rooting for the person to be hurt you're not rooting for someone to die in a car accident certainly not at least I hope not um, but we all get fascinated I I think that's I think. That's what I think slap fighting is or power slap, whatever the hell they want to call it. That's what it is. The problem is I think it's a novelty act and the novelty eventually runs out. Like, it's not like I can't, I have a hard time believing that we're going to run out like some random Viking dude named Bam Bam is going to, you know, be in there and we're going to follow his career and fall in love with this guy and buy his t-shirts and so no. Right. This is this is a novelty act. It's it, we're watching it for the highlights to watch some dude or some girl get absolutely blasted and fall over. Um yeah. that yeah, no, that's, my, pro that's my problem. That's my problem. And that's my <laughs> Yeah, family guy maybe was a bad analogy. Um it's more like more like watching Fail Nation, right? I I put on Fail Army, the channel on my TV day. I watch it all the time. People falling over, wrecking their skateboards, doing completely stupid things. And I love that shit. I guess there's like a time and a place for it, and, uh, or a, there's a certain viewer that likes it, like me. Um, but it's not going to last. I'm with you. It's a novelty. It's a 
stupid novelty that's going to last for maybe a couple months and, you know, and then never watch it again. You now, know, Romanian you... butt slap fighting <laughs> is different. <laughs> you know it's com- you know it's com- you know what it's comparable to Matt honestly you know it's comparable to and I'm guilty of this it's jackass it's jackass yes, it's yes, Johnny yes, it's yes. Johnny Knoxville it's 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 Stevo it's watching these guys do incredibly dumb stupid things with their bodies and we laugh our asses off at it I just I watch Jackass. I like Jackass. I think Jackass is hilarious. I watched every movie they put out. I just went to I went to the theater to see the last one. It was hilarious. So I'm guilty of it. I I like watching Stevo inflict pain. I get it. I I full I'm guilty of it. But like I don't know. It's weird to like as a prank or as a joke to watch them do dumb things like letting an alligator bite them or, or letting a bull come after them in a bullfighting ring. Like I, I don't know why I, we all enjoy jackass, but there's just something weird about just voluntarily watching a dude just put, literally just blast you with an open hand strike and not even defend yeah. yourself. It's, I don't know. It's weird. I can't, I, I like, I understand why people don't like it because I don't like it. But then I bring up Jackass and I'm like, well, I do like Jackass. And that's basically the same thing because they're just harming themselves for our entertainment. Yeah. At least Jackass is creative though. Right. Like, and that's what I said. That's why you said it perfectly. The slap fighting is a novelty for me. I love it right now. I know in a month or two, I'm not going to enjoy this. Right. Like, like if you if Jackass if they went on there and did the same thing the same prank every time it wouldn't be funny anymore, but they do something different every time they did the same thing every time it wouldn't be funny the power slap fighting is the same thing every time so it's funny the first time I enjoyed it I'm not gonna you know it's not gonna, it doesn't have anything lasting any lasting value to it at all yeah it's not it's not, I doubt there's gonna be a year from now you're like man Bobo. The slap fighter is my favorite slap fighter. I'm buying his T-shirt. I have a hard time believing you're going to do that. Yeah, I'm not. I, <laughs> I can tell you, I'm not. <laughs> so, <laughs> but right now, I'm very attracted to it. Maybe, maybe uh, Dana's marketing scheme worked on me, and I'm I'm all about it. Love watching it, and I I recognize how stupid it is. I realize I'm like a little 15 year old kid here getting into it, but. Uh, right now, man, I, I kind of enjoy it, bro. I gotta well, tell you. I listen, I, I don't enjoy it and I don't want it and I don't want to watch it, but I appreciate your honesty in saying it is stupid. It's not good for your health. You know, like you're not, you're not, you're not endorsing it. You're just saying you enjoy watching it. Exactly. Yeah, like it was entertaining to me. I don't know why, but the, again, the Romanian butt slap fighting was also very entertaining. <laughs> I don't Did know. I have not seen Romanian butt slap. I have not seen this. I'm gonna have to send it on Instagram. They literally, it's literally slap fighting, but they go, they slap these girls slap each other's butts until one of them quits. That's that's a Romanian butt slap fighting. Yeah, I might sign up for that one. I, that, that a lot less damage taken to the old yeah. brain on that one. Well, Romanian butt slap fighting, I might sign up for that. Not so much on the whole power slap thing. Anyways, uh, that that is our show for this week, Matt. Uh, I did not imagine we would finish on Romanian butt slap fighting, but uh, it is what it is. That's how we end the show. I, I don't know how we start with you coming back to fight again to Romanian butt slap fighting, um, but that's how we that's how we do on this Maybe podcast. Maybe we should talk about Romanian butt slap fighting every time. We'll start buying their t-shirts and 
start uh, signing, uh, getting autographs from them, start covering that sport. You should uh, you should invite one of the Romanian butt slappers to walk down to the cage with you when you fight again. I think that would be pretty cool. Maybe I will. And <laughs> maybe this should be. Uh, maybe we should start covering this sport on the podcast regularly. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Well, uh, they I need know, the promotion, bro. That's true. That's true. Well, I know one thing we talked about uh, off air, and and I'm actually really fascinated by this is because if you got you're going to book a fight in the near future. Um, we're going to get fight cam Matt Brown on this podcast. I'm excited about that. Now we're, we're obviously, you know, fight week. We'll probably, well, I'll give you the day off for that one. We'll give you the day off for fight week, but, uh, fight camp, fight <laughs> camp, Matt Brown and aftermath. I, Cause it's fun. Like it's, it's a part of the, part of the fun of doing fighter versus writer and having a fighter on here is your, again, your perspective is better and different than mine when it comes to fighting. Because again, I'm allowed to have an opinion as a journalist, but you are a fighter, but also like, the week leading in the fight, the training camp, like all the little things like we do interviews, but actually having you come in week to week is a fascinating We We really haven't done that. You talked about it before. Like part of the reason we couldn't keep doing our old podcast because of how kind of labor intensive it was of doing like four hours in studio. It was just too hard, but doing this is a lot easier because, you know, jump on zoom for 45 minutes an hour and you're out the door and you're going to have 45 minutes to an hour most days to do whatever you want anyway. So this works out better, but I am actually fascinated to get fight camp, Matt Brown on this podcast. Yeah, I think I'll enjoy it, man. It's a little bit of a getaway for me too. It keeps me entertained and you know, I enjoy doing it. Um, and I'll keep you guys updated on, you know, what it feels like going through fight camp. I'm sure you have some good questions and getting that week by week update on uh, fight camp is a little different than, you know, when you talk to a fighter, when you interview them and you get uh, one day out of the whole fight camp and you're probably just most of the time asking the standard questions and, you know, trying to dig as deep as you can, but not really getting, you know, you, you kind of have to ask what you have to ask. Right. So, yeah, it'll almost be like a blog, I guess. Um, and of course, we'll talk about everything else going on in the world of MMA also. But um, I think we'll have some fun with it. And of course, I'll come up to visit the gym as well. I'll come up to the Immortal yeah. Training Center and uh, and check out everything going up there. I I always I I don't think people, I don't think I've said it enough on the podcast. It's so funny. We always do the show by Zoom. But you live 10 minutes away from me, not even 10 minutes away from me, and your your gym is 15 minutes away from me, yet we always do this over Zoom. I always find it hilarious. But that's part of the joy of this is we don't have to because that was part of the problem with the old podcast was all getting together, and it would take us like four hours to all get together and do it. So now, even though we live 10 minutes apart, we still do it over Zoom. But that makes it easier on you because you're not like, oh, man, I got to drive to Damon's and do a podcast. Like, no, just do it from home. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I don't know if you're like me, Damon. I'm a little bit of a hermit too. Like, I am, especially yeah. when I fight camp, I don't like going out of the house, man. Unless I have, I go to train, come home, eat some good food, you know, maybe you know, make some love with the lady, and I want to <laughs> chill, bro. Exactly. <laughs> no, dude. Trust me, I get it. Try, I get. I trust. Like I said, I totally understand it. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a process to do much else besides that. So uh, I totally understand. I totally understand. But it will be fun to be in a do do fight camp. Matt Brown. It'll be a lot of fun uh, going through that. And you're right, because I'll interview you once during fight camp. But that's totally different than talking to you week to week and actually like finding out how things are going, the people you're training with, people you got coming in. Uh, you know what crazy shit Mark Coleman's doing. Whatever. It's gonna be fun. So. Uh, it'll be well, a good have time. You, have you been following with what Mark's been doing lately, right? The Liver King. He's teamed up with the Liver yeah. King now. 
Yeah, he's teaming up with the Liver King, getting in shape on the carnivore diet. We went to some Shabu Shabu the other day. I, I don't know how Coleman's going to lose this weight, but man, this guy eats like you never seen. But he's already feeling better. He's walking every day. He, I seen him hit the aerodyne the other day, uh, and just the energy that he's he's exuding now is just just brings joy to your heart, man. You were around when he was kind of at the I don't know if I say lows to lows, but you know he was going through it and yeah. uh, watching the. 360 well 180 degree turn is, is just amazing to see man absolutely and and uh of course you know mark coleman coley as i call him is a, is the goat i love the guy and he's been sober two years now which is amazing and now working with the liver king to get everything back in shape dude it's awesome to see it's amazing to see so uh we'll get coley on the podcast here soon we got to catch up with coley that's a that's a whole other kind of podcast getting him back on here yeah i just don't know if he knows how to use zoom <laughs> yeah, we might have to, we might have to do that one in gym. I might have to come up to the uh, the Immortal Martial Arts Center and do it up there. Yeah. All right, folks. Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. We're uh, we're gonna get out of here. Obviously, want to say a big thank you to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the show. Uh, make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. Uh, you can follow me everywhere at Damon Martin, and you can follow Matt at I Am The Immortal. I know you got a lot of things going on. Of course, you're down in Nashville right now. You'll be back in a matter of days, so uh, we'll have the podcast next week. You'll be back in the uh, back in the bus, in the old C-bus, and uh, we'll talk about maybe some fight news in the near future for you. And uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Fighter versus The Rider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Businesses love data, like really love it. But is just having data enough? Yeah. Nope. Oh. Because the smart businesses, the really smart ones, use ZoomInfo. It leverages data to unlock useful insights. Insights so you know who to reach and how to reach them, letting you grow your business. So ask yourself, is your data insightful? Now it is. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.